And it and so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, uh, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you 
is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a there there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them unto heaven, the shepherds said one unto another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. Which, is, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's where we usually stop reading in my family. But this next verse is very, very important, and I'm going to read it today because it gives us a mission. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Um, let's do that. Jesus is born. He's our Savior. He died on the cross. Our sins are forgiven if we take them to him. Let's tell everyone about that. That's why Christmas is so special. Uh, let's pray now. Father God, we, we praise you today, Lord, uh, not only for letting us come to your house like you do, Lord, and worship you, but for this gift that we celebrate this season. God, thank you for all the blessings that you pour out, the, the warmth that you give us through your Holy Spirit, uh, the closeness of family. Lord, the, uh, the, the noise of the children that are with us today. God, thank you so much for that, that, uh, that we can just praise you uh, for the rebirth that we get, Lord, uh, for the birth, our physical birth, these kids and for the rebirth that we get through Jesus as our Savior, God. We praise you for that, Lord. Forgive us uh, when we do fail you, Lord, and uh, be with this service. Father, may it glorify you. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I almost forgot. We said last week that anyone, any of the youngins and the adults as well but if any of the kids want to bring one of their gifts that they got this morning for Christmas, they can hold it up and show what they got for Christmas today. So what do we got? All right, I see a cowboy hat. I see a pretty cool-looking backpack and a water bottle. Another backpack there with some guys on the front of it. I see a Pikachu. No. Evie. Oh, that's Evie. No, Evie's up here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so we got an Evie in the back. Got some keys, got a new car, a, a truck, all right. Turn That's all right. Turn around. Oh, we got, a, we got a, look at the art set Zoe got. Good job, Zoe. Behind you. All right. We got a, we got a, we got a, we got a Nope. Is that, no, what does it say? 
maximum effort. Anybody else? Oh, gag gift. I'm just kidding. Oh, and another new car. Man, I'm going to go look under my tree. Maybe there's a car. I got a sweater. You got a trailer? Hey, that'll work. That'll work. And a lunchbox, too? Xbox. All right. All right. Remember to give God all the blood. And a jacket, son? You got the jacket, too? A leather jacket. All right, well, now you got to tell your daddy you need a motorcycle to go with it. Jammies. <laughs> huh? Oh, okay, new jammies. Good deal. Good deal. Praise the Lord. Remember all these gifts that everybody's holding up, guys? Give God the glory for them. Amen? Amen. Yay. I got an article of clothing that was uh, Marvel Comics as well, but I can't show you guys. Chris! How could Herald Angels sing? Are the herald angels sing? Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God is sinners reconciled. Joyful all the nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adorned. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold Him God. Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead seed, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hail the heavenly Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lays His glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth. To give them second birth, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Amen.
ready. Now I feel like Joyce. Joyce is so good. And she goes, no problem. Let's start over. <laughs> but I don't have Joyce's. I don't have Joyce's beautiful voice. <laughs> so maybe I'll need to hear these words again. <laughs>
If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to first, uh, yeah, first Corinthians, second Corinthians, sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be. I'm going to talk a little bit about several scriptures. We'll, we'll read that one together in a moment. However, as, a, as we gather together this morning, I couldn't help but think, uh, all, we have some kids at home, the rest of my kids will be there today, and all my kids are grown, and we're, we have the grandbabies and such running around, and made me think about this year, we didn't have people rushing to the tree and opening presents this morning and stuff like that, and made me think a little bit about how that, when I was a kid, that was my Probably the most exciting time of the year for me was Christmas morning, being able to get up and, and, and run in there. I looked forward with anticipation, as, as only a child can do, to those presents, staring through to see if, if I got a new G.I. Joe or if I got a new Hot Wheels racetrack and all the stuff they probably don't play with nowadays. But that's what I was looking forward to. Is I knew almost every year I was going to get a racetrack because I did not make them last the whole year. But I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get in there and, and rip these presents apart and see what kind of Hot Wheels or whatever was there. I'd be on pins and needles all night, just, just anticipating that morning, trying to, to get to sleep, trying to, to know that if I don't get any sleep, I'm not going to be able to go in there. I mean, as a kid, it was, it was like this incredible buildup. Couldn't wait for that morning, and everything rested on that morning. However... That being said, I know myself anyway, after that, after, all the, after you rip all the presents open, came one of the most depressing times of the year for me. And that was when I go kicking through all the wrapping paper, trying to find one more that hadn't been opened yet. You know, thinking, it's done. It's finished. Um, I hear I've been sitting with so much anticipation, and now I got these gifts, but wow, what am I going to do now? Everything's, everything I've been excited for, is done now, and I would stop and wonder, wh- where do I go from here? As a kid, that, that was a big deal to me. That was like, okay, everything I was living for is finished. Let's go eat breakfast, I guess. As a kid, it was just like, where do I go from this? I was thinking about that when I started thinking about Mary and Joseph. As I was thinking about the sermon this morning and a Christmas message, who Mary and Joseph, that first Christmas morning, this was a buildup. They had just opened the most amazing Christmas present in the universe, Jesus Christ. The gift had been given to them. There had been incredible anticipation in their lives as well. They knew what was about to transpire. They had the words of the angels as, as uh, come to them, as, as Brian pointed out in the scripture reading a while ago. They knew that they had this gift from God being presented unto them. And they arrive in Bethlehem and and then here comes the labor. They're worrying about trying to find a place to stay. Trying to, they, they know that this is God's son and we can't even get into the inn. And, and all this is happening around them. I can just imagine the, the stress that's going on. How, how do we make a birth comfortable in a stable when this is the son of God here? The, the tension would have been high. And then right after the birth, there's lots of guests there's adoration. The shepherds come in and, and they're, they're all getting down and, and, and in wonder and glory and in praising. There is so much in the atmosphere going on around that first birth. I mean, that first birthday of Jesus Christ. There is so much going on in Mary and Joseph's life. Not to count the, 
the wonder of it all and the, 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 the post-labor glow of being able to just hold that baby. But after that glory fades away a little bit and the, and, and, and the shepherds are gone, dawn is arriving. The baby has been born. The, the shepherds have gone about their way. You have to wonder, what are Mary and Joseph's feelings now? As they hold that baby and there's this sheep or whatever, the, the animals in the stalls there are making their little noises. Here they are left with this fragile little baby boy that is also the king of the universe. They're looking at this child. And the, the question that goes through my mind, and I wonder if it went through theirs, is what do we do now? Are we left alone to to make it through this cold world. We, we, we brought the child to birth. We named him Jesus, just like the angels said to do. But what do I do now? And I would share with you this morning that we are in that same boat oftentimes. And at Christmas time, you can think of, of this day of the year when we're celebrating. We have the rest of the year ahead of us. But also, too, too there are times in our lives where we've had anticipation or times in our lives where we've had great trials. And, and, and we... we, we we go through the dark, stormy night. We make it through. But what about the day after? Where are we on the day after? There are times when we go through the, the, the incredible struggles, if you will, fighting with all that we have, these spiritual battles. And, and, and we're holding on in the face of turmoil, holding on in the face of, 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 of all the disease and the pain and the power. Or maybe it might be the opposite thing. We think it was a great feeling for the Lord. We've done some spiritual Spiritually great thing. We've just led someone to the Lord. We just led somebody into salvation. Or we were able to, to counter some skeptic that was really, truly trying to tear down the Scripture. And we we're on top of the mountain. Whether we're on top of the mountain or whether we're on the very bottom of that mountain struggling with the tri- trials. We get through and we come out the other side. And sometimes we feel alone. We feel down. How, how do we pick up and go on? We, we've accomplished something great. We made it through the trial. We made it through this great elation. And we're on the other side of the mountain and we're thinking, do I just continue? Am I left all on my own now that this feat is behind me? Like the, like the miracle has passed on by and now I'm in the aftermath. And the aftermath's waiting on me. What do I do here? There are several people I want us to look at in the scriptures this morning that, that I feel as though it draws a direct correlation to this. Some great feat happens in their life and they experience those same feelings that you and I do sometimes. That we struggle, we fight, and we come out the other side, and it's like, where do I go from here? Moses. Think of Moses for just a minute. Moses, after, after getting out there and confronting Pharaoh, I mean, he gets out there, set my people free. He, he brings forth the warnings. The plagues come. He, he is a man incredibly powerfully used by God. I don't think anyone can deny that. Whether you, you know the whole story or not and name all the plagues or not doesn't change the fact. We know that Moses went out there and he, commit, he, he, he was able to, God used him to, to do some incredible, mighty feats before Pharaoh. But yet, what happened right afterward? Moses says, why did you ever send me? Why am I here? Now, what was God's answer to that? He said, now you will see what I will do you, when you are called by my name. In other words, Moses said, why would you send me? I am nobody. And, and God says down there that you are going to tell him that the great I am sent you. It's not about you, Moses. I'm still there. And it's about me. Elijah, 
Here, Elijah goes up on the mountain. If you remember the story of the Mount Carmel, he goes up on the mountain and there's all these Baal worshippers and they set up their, their altar and their, their offering to their God. And, and he has his set up there. And the, the Baal worshippers do everything they can to try to call down fire from heaven. Nothing happens. But here's Elijah. He speaks. He has the power of God within him. The Spirit of God to such a point that not only does he call down fire from heaven that consumes the offering, it consumes the altar, the rocks, and everything on it. Just think of the power that's at hand in this man to be able to have such faith in his God that he can call down such mighty works from heaven to destroy and consume everything. Yet what was Elijah's attitude right after that? He just worked an incredible feat But right after he said, I've done all these things for you, Lord. I called down fire. I put my faith in you. And look what's gotten me. They're all trying to kill me now. But what was God's answer to that? God said, Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? I sent you on a mission. And and you left it. Oh, and by the way, there's 5,000 more people down at the bottom of the hill that's never bowed a knee onto Baal. Elijah, get up and go. Notice, God never answers the fact that Elijah's life was in danger. Yeah, Elijah's life was in danger. He just promised, I'll be with you in your troubles. Sometimes I think we go through the trial, we go through the, 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 the precipice of the mountain, whatever it may be, and we forget, yes, there may be consequences. Yes, there may be pain. Yes, there may be hurt. But on the other side of it, we may say, now am I left here all alone? What am I going to do? It's then that we need to stop and remember, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Even when we make it out the other side, God is still there, folks. He promises to be with us. Paul, It happens to Paul as well. In 2 Corinthians 12, I want us to look at what happened to Paul here. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it said, he says, it is necessary to boast. It is not helpful, but I will move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up into the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in body or out of body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, was caught up into paradise. He heard inexpressible words, which a man is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weakness. For if I want to boast, I will not be a fool, because I will be telling the truth. But I will spare you, so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given unto me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. You hear that, folks? Here, this is a man, Paul has has seen the revelation of the third heavens. Here's a man that God has gifted to see paradise itself, he says. He has been called up. He has seen incredible things that you can't even express with words but yet he's been given this thorn in the flesh. Here's a man that God loves. God's using a powerful man, but God still gives him this this, this thorn in the flesh. And and, and Paul's idea is, hey, he's pleading for this pain to leave. His attitude is, God, just take this away from me. But God's answer, 
my grace is sufficient, my power is made perfect in your weakness. You see, Paul was accomplishing great and mighty things. But it didn't, it didn't isolate him from the world. It put him in a place where God could shine into the world. Now, what, what am I trying to get to with all these? There's a couple of conclusions you can get from this attitude and God's answers here. The first thing is, sometimes when we come through that trial, maybe we're still in the midst of it, but when we come out the other side of that trial, when we come out the other side of that, that, that mountaintop experience, sometimes we need to stop and, and find a new way to view God. Sometimes we've got to stop and look at God a little differently. Moses focused on the enemy. He focused on what the enemy was saying. Moses was saying, that enemy is calling me a nobody. Who am I, Lord? He's saying, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a wannabe. I'm just a Jew. God, I'm no one. Why did you send me? He was focusing on what the enemy was telling him he was instead of focusing on what God said he was, which was that he was called by God's name. He was saying, I'm a nobody. And God said, you are mine. Sometimes we forget that. Whether it's going through the trial or whether it's some mountaintop experience, we come out the other side and we've lost that camp high and we forget we have been called by God's name. We are His. We need to quit focusing on the camp high. We need to quit focusing on the trial. We need to quit focusing on what God has done and focus on what He is doing because He said, you are called by my name. Hallelujah. Elijah. What was he focusing on? He said that he was worried the enemy was threatening to kill him. He was worried about Jezebel. He was worried about some earthly woman. Now, yes, she was a queen, and yes, she was a mean woman. I almost said winch. I have no idea. <laughs> but she was evil. She was mean. He was scared of her. But is that where he was supposed to be focusing? Because in reality, he should have been focusing on the one who had the real power of creation and destruction. Instead of focusing on how Jezebel might take his life, maybe he should have been focusing on God, who was almighty, and he would decide when and where and how. Because you see, Jezebel can do absolutely nothing to Elijah unless God so allowed it. He forgot and his focus got miscued. Yes, he just brought some incredible works of God down upon the mountain. But when they threatened to kill him, all of a sudden he was worried and thinking he's all on his own. And it's then he should have stopped. Wait a minute. My God is heaven, is all creator yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I don't have to worry about it. Let Jezebel say what she says because she can't do anything without my God. That's where his mind should have been. But instead, God had to refocus him. Paul. Paul focused on what the enemy had done to him. Paul says that Satan had sent this emissary to, to put this thorn in his side. But in reality, God was telling him, focus on the real reality. He's saying, look to where I am. I am allowing you this pain, this torment, even in the works of your glory, so that you won't exalt yourself, Paul. Paul, you tend to might have a little arrogant streak in you. But as long as you remember who you are, in your weakness, I'll be made manifest. Or the more you decrease, the more I will increase in your attitude. You see, sometimes I think we get through a trial or we'll get to that mountaintop experience and we come out the other side a little arrogant. Look what I have done for the Lord. Look how I can pray. Look what, how God has used me. And God's got to say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember, it's not about you, it's about me. 
We gotta, we, sometimes we need to refocus how we look at God in the midst of these situations. The other thing I would say is that we have to look at a different view of our mission. What has God called us to do? Moses thought he had failed. Even though he obeyed God to the T, he thought he had failed. Elijah, he had a tremendous victory. Nobody could question the victory, but yet he wanted to give up. Paul felt like he couldn't go on. I got this thorn in my side. How can I continue preaching for you, dealing with all this torment? But God told Moses, he said, Moses, because of your failure, my power is going to work and people are going to see God's reality through you. Because you think you can't do it, guess what? The world's going to think you can't do it either. But they're going to see you did. And they're going to see you did and say, how? And it's then that they're going to know that the real reality isn't about you. It's about what I can do through you. So even though Moses thought he had failed, we today still know and speak of the mighty works of God through Moses. Elijah, he needed to realize that he was not the one carrying the torch for God. He kind of thought, well, you know, if Jezebel kills me, God, uh, Yahweh, you're just going to die and fade away. I'm carrying the torch here. And God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not about you. I still got 5,000 down at the bottom of the hill can carry out the mission. Quit looking at yourself and thinking how so highly of yourself and get back to doing what I've called you to do. He got to looking at the mission is all about him. Rather than God. Paul, again, Paul needed to know that strength is made perfect and complete, not in power, but in weakness. He had to know that strength isn't in how intelligent he was, it was in God. The focus of Mary and Joseph wasn't to be on the shepherds. The focus of Mary and Joseph that first Christmas morning wasn't to be on the angels that were speaking. The focus of Mary and Joseph wasn't to be on the wise men that come a couple years later there. The focus wasn't to be on these these events. It was to be on fulfilling the mission of raising Jesus Christ. That's what God told them. Raise up my son. Their mission was to raise up Jesus as God had created them to do. And God had already equipped them for the job. And if it got rough, if things got hard, guess what? They needed a little extra help, like they needed up and move to Egypt. When, when Herod sent out his decree, God comes in and provides when it is needed. You see, I think we lose focus of who God is, and we lose focus of the mission that God has put us on sometimes. And we need to stop and remember All I have been called to do is what God's called me to do. Every day is a new day. And every day I will step out and say, Lord, what is it you would have me to do today? But Mary and Joseph, they just needed to raise Jesus and God would empower them to do so or he would not have given them the task to begin with. He wouldn't have called them out to take this opportunity. For us, just just because the... The, the great God event has passed just because of this, the, whatever it is in our life is behind us doesn't mean that we now take over. Doesn't mean that now I have to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Doesn't mean that now I have to, to figure out what I'm going to do next. But it also does not mean that God has abandoned me. You see, even though that event has passed, 
our mission has not changed. And it's like the, that last verse that Brian shared a while ago. We are to go and proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We sang the song a while ago. Go tell it from the mountain. Our calling, folks, is the same today as it was yesterday. It is the same as it was before the mountaintop experience as it is after. It is the same before that horrible tragedy or trial in your life as it is after. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The, the mission and the, of Mary and Joseph was the same after Jesus was born as it was before Jesus was born. Raise up the child and tell the world who he is. Our mission does not change. Our God does not change. Christmas, as of tomorrow, will be behind us this year. But you know what? Every day is still God's day. Even though we may be taking down lights and trees and, and getting back to, well, I'm going to have to get back to the normal year ahead of me. Every day I have a mission. It doesn't change because Christmas is behind me, nor does it change because there's another Christmas coming, for I don't know the Lord may return before then. My mission is the same every day. Go tell it from the mountains that Jesus Christ was born. And he said that whomsoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Our mission stays true. Whether you're going through a good time or a bad time, our mission stays true and the vision of our Lord stays steady. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Folks, this morning... We are still called to, in His name, to be ambassadors to the world. We are still called, regardless of how much the battle has raged around us or how much we may be on R&R at the moment. We have been called to be ambassadors of Christ. That means we should not run off with our tail between our legs. That means we should not go and try to hide in a cave somewhere till next Christmas rolls around. It means we should not get so puffed up and arrogant and think, well, look, I made it through this. I must be super godly. Our mission, nor our God, has changed. It is we who usually make more of who we are than what we really are. It is we who forget what the mission is. This morning, I would submit to you that just as Mary and Joseph continued to raise Jesus, we are to continue to, to share Jesus. We are to continue to spread the message of Jesus. Don't come down off your mountain and think all of a sudden you're in a desert. For God brought the rain on the top of the mountain and He'll bring the rain when it's needed at the bottom of the mountain. God is still God and He's still there. Working behind the scenes maybe. You may not see Him as clearly as you wish you could. But I guarantee you, that He is getting you ready for the next big event in your life. If you will hang on. If you will cling to Him. Yes, the Christmas season's moving behind us. But isn't it great that every day is God's season? Now, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't accomplish a mission that you've never actually been brought into. You really want to accomplish the mission of sharing who Christ is, you've got to first know Him. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's great. That gift that was given that first Christmas morning was so that the world could see Him. 
hear him, know him. And then 33 years or so later, he died upon a cross. A sinless man became our sin. Taken down, laid in a borrowed tomb. And I say borrowed because three days later, he didn't need it any longer. He defeated death, hell, and the grave and arose to the right hand of God the Father to be our intermediary, to be our lawyer, our mediator, so that whomsoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. When I say believe in him, I don't mean with your head. James said the devils believe, the demons believe in him, and they tremor, tremor tremble. believe with your heart that's what matters are you here this morning and not know him are you here and not don't you do not have a relationship with him because you can change that today you want to make this christmas the greatest christmas in your life accept him as your lord and savior if you do know him today then i'm going to tell you you're going to have more highs and more lows probably in your life to come Regardless of how high you get or how low you're pushed down, remember my God has never left you nor forsook you. He's not telling you you have to run and hide because Jezebel's chasing you. He's not telling you to worry about the desert that may seem to be surrounding you. For in our weakness, he's made, he, we, in our weakness, he's made strong within us. As I more decrease, the more he increases. It'll be the same in your life as well. You'll stand with me this morning. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If God is speaking to you this Christmas morning, will you step out? I know that Mary and Joseph was looking at that birth with great anticipation. But I also know that on the other side of it, they still realized who that child was and raised him accordingly. Let's do the same. Let's come out the other side. And spread Jesus' name accordingly. Amen? Amen. Father God, we come before you and just praise your name this morning. Thank you for who you are and what you are. That we can gather together in this place and proclaim your righteousness. Thank you for this Christmas morning. God, we're going to leave this place and many of us are going to go and see and do and family coming over and food to be spread on the table. But it means nothing if we don't know you. God, may we truly celebrate your gift. Even, even if our hearts are down or our hearts are high, may we remember it's because of your gift that we can continue day to day to day. May your will be done, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we sing this morning, if God's called you to step out to this altar, please do. Maybe say you walk across the aisle. Maybe say you pray with your spouse. I don't know. But make sure if you don't know him that you get that straight. And most of all, you just do what he calls you to do. Amen? Amen. As we sing this morning, guys.